Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's almost superior. Issue 172, and it sounded like Adam said I was Kenan, so I will be Kenan on today's podcast. Um, I'm Cleric. <laughs> and I'm Adun. <laughs> You're what? You're Adun? Adun? Adun. Oh. I like it. It's like... We're the uh, like the cancerverse version of Homo Superior today. Right. We already killed the other two, Brunt and uh, Rian. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. We've got a skeleton crew this t- uh, this week, but we've got a lot of great content. First up, we're gonna get some uh, initial impressions of the first two episodes of Wandavision. Uh, we've got uh, four comics to go through, uh, some uh, comic news, and our favorite segment: Clark's got something. Watch out. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, so uh, if you haven't watched WandaVision yet, the first two episodes of WandaVision, don't listen to this podcast, turn it off, go watch them, like- and then come back and listen, because we're going to get into some spoiler territory. And we're going to try to avoid spoilers for episode three, uh, because we know some people have watched it, but a lot of people haven't. Uh, we'll talk about episode three on next week's podcast. So the first two episodes, the first one's called Film Before a Live Studio Audience, Episode two is called Don't Touch That Dial. So want to hear from you guys. What are some of your initial impressions? And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the Easter eggs that we may have seen and definitely have seen in the episodes. And where do we think this is going? Uh, I'll start. I really liked it. I thought, you know, it's, it's obviously like a two-piece appetizer or kind of a, just setting you up for a lot of things. But uh It is both successful, I think, as a phase four kickoff to kind of give us something different than what many of the Marvel movies, and really a kickoff for Marvel TV as well, right? Or at least MCU TV. So, uh, and while also being, at least for right now, a really fun uh, homage and love letter to the decades of television we have all become very used to in terms of tropes and norms and things like that. So I, I think it's hitting on all cylinders. I thought the first episode was almost like a bit too on the nose, but it kind of, it got, obviously it had its own, you, I think it's gonna really pay off and I really wish they would have released all of it at once because it's it's gonna be certainly detrimental to keeping, I think, uh, base viewers, the kind of people who are just like, where's the action? What about this? Hey, why didn't Spider-Man come back? Is Tony Stark still alive? Like, I think the MCU moviegoers might not enjoy it, but both as a, obviously, comic fan, Marvel fan, and TV show person, uh, personality, I guess, I have, I'm on TV, I've really enjoyed it. So, uh, yeah, I think just kudos all around so far. Catherine Hahn's incredible. Clark? So I don't really want to spoil anything, but even though I said I wasn't going to watch the third episode, I did. Don't um, spoil anything. Not spoiling anything. I'm just saying they should have released all three episodes at once. Oh, I did hear that on a actually another review I was reading of that the third episode is where shit really picks up. And so, and like picks up in a sense of like, it's it one, two, three sound like their own, their own almost like mini movie or part one. I I think the stride is finally hit in episode three, which seems weird to have not, I don't know. I'll go back to my Um, actual interest, but yeah, Caitlin. So um, it's, it's amazing and to kind of like uh, build off something you said, Adam, about how this is the first foray into phase four of the MCU. It wasn't supposed to be, as we know, it was supposed to be Black Widow and then internals. And then this was going to be the next step of it. But man, I have to just give uh, Disney, uh, Marvel and 
Kevin Feige, like just like every kudos I can for just being, we're going to do this. It may alienate some folks. It may make some folks scratch their heads, but just like Marvel comics, aren't always these big bombastic crossovers or, you know, good versus evil. Like you can tell these more intimate stories, just like the vision and, and Star Scarlet Witch comics in the eighties, as well as, the vision uh, miniseries that we reviewed on podcast a few years ago, like it's trying to tell a, a different kind of a story. And, um, you know, I was kind of skeptical of it at first, even though it always looked cool because um, I think Paul Bettany is a fine actor. I've liked him for a really long time. I was always sort of like, uh, just wondering how good uh, Elizabeth Olsen is, but she can really hold her own. Uh, and uh, to your point, Adam, Catherine Hahn is amazing. I want to see her in everything that she does. Um, I'm just absolutely intrigued. And like, I went back and watched the first two episodes again, just to be able to like, look at all the various little clues and the uh, Easter eggs that we found there. Obviously, you know, you've got the ads of like the Stark toaster, the uh, Strucker watch. Um, uh, those are the two big ones that sort of pop into mind, but there's a bunch of other ones that are like throughout both the first two episodes. Well, and even uh, there's, you know, the joke about like, what did she say at the beginning? It's something about his head, essentially. And that was kind of in reference to his obviously being exploded and having his uh, soul stone removed at the end of Infinity War, where it's like, there goes my husband losing his head or whatever that was. But um, yeah, I did it. I really love that was, I think, where it really was like, ooh, this could be, this is going to be good, was actually the uh, Stark Toaster ad. And then the beeping being representative of her, the missile, uh, the Tony Stark mm -hmm. missile. And I was like, ooh, I love it. So it's like everything, again, everything within the first two episodes shows to me that they've got this cool kind of acid trip plan. And I almost, to the, to the point of like why, I, even why it was just sort of like the first episode worked, but I wish it was even more, is because when you have the break of, I forget the, the woman's actual, the actress's actual name, but the woman who plays the mom from that 70s show, when she starts Joe Rupp, what is it? Is it Deborah Joe Rupp? Did I make that up? That sounds that right. Rhymes. When Deborah Joe Rupp started freaking out at the dinner table, I was uh, I was also signed up. So it's like it. I think it's just a matter of if the biggest hold off I could see for it is for people that just don't only kind of take the television reference stuff at face value, like and they're just like, oh whatever. Oh, you're right. Nice back. I was right. Hooray. <laughs> I was going to say, um, Jablonski. <laughs> I was going to say, another thing I like about it stylistically is, um, so I looked up Kevin Feige's age and like, he's definitely like right in the smack dab of Gen X. Uh, and so he was, you know, probably a kid or teenager when like Nick and Knight got really big, um, as well as like syndication for a lot of the older shows, like I Love Lucy, the Dick Van Dyke show, Donna Reed, so on and so forth. Uh, I, um, I Dream of Genie and Bewitched. And clearly it's a love letter to those. But at the same time, um, he was probably 17 or 18 years old when Twin Peaks started. Mm -hmm. And if you think about like, um, like that first episode, well, both, both the first two episodes, but that scene where she's going, stop it, stop it, stop it. It's very Lynchian because you've got this idyllic, mm -hmm. like suburban, like, uh, uh, setting happening it just seems a little too square a little too norm core and then all of a sudden like you know she just goes into this like repetition of of 
stop it, stop it, stop it when her husband is choking on his dinner. Uh, I absolutely really, really love that. And then it made me think a little bit about um, Wanda herself, you know, being a native of Sokovia. Sokovia, of course, is a made up country, but is real in, in the MCU. And she, as you know, as a kid in Sokovia, she probably the only thing that she had uh, to like, uh, as far as entertainment goes, was probably reruns of old American shows. And I say that because I was a, I'm a, I'm an immigrant myself. Growing up in India, like I would watch old reruns of like I Love Lucy and and, and other shows like that. And so, of course, like that is probably going to influence the reality that she might have built up uh, in this series. Um, and that goes all the way from, you know, the references in the first episode is a little I Love Lucy, Dinah, Donna Reed, Dick Van Dyke. The second episode uh, being, you know, uh, kind of bewitched. Uh, and I like the sort of the transitions happening in each of those episodes, because the first one, you know, you've got the opening credits that show uh, Vision and Wanda moving into the suburbs, which is something that happened in I Love Lucy, uh, where like in the fourth or fifth season, uh, Ricky and Lucy move from New York City into somewhere like in Connecticut or or like maybe upstate New York. It's Connecticut. Uh, and it's, it is Connecticut. Okay. Mm. Um, it's like it's it's indicative of white flight that was starting to happen in, in the 1950s and moving into the 60s as well. And then uh, the second episode, the very beginning, you see Wanda and uh, Vision in two separate beds. And then the beds like move together, which showed that finally, like, uh, you know, the censors were allowing uh, like TV couples and movie couples to be able to be shown in the same bed. Uh, I, I thought that was really smart. And you started seeing the introduction of uh, non-white actors and characters. And I know that's gonna be, like, there's a reason why that they're in there. But you started seeing integration of uh, of multi ethnic actors starting to happen more in the '60s, and then it happened more and more as like the decades went off. But in the '50s, you really didn't see that happen. If you did, they, uh, if you saw like somebody who was uh, African American, mostly uh, they were probably just playing a very like small role, like they were like a server or like an elevator operator or something like that, but not like a, a supporting character or even a main character. Was it Vision's coworker um, of color? Oh, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah, he's. I think he was South Asian, I, I believe. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they're taking a, a few strides to make sure they're they're boosting and and making things kind of the way they should be. Not they're not taking the Patty Jenkins route. I hope is what I, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> God, for sure. Remember how shitty things were back then? Let's just replicate that to pay homage. Yeah. Give us, yeah, just show a black person just being yelled at on a train and, and just never show a black person for like two more episodes. Um, <laughs> I did because at the end of the second episode, they do switch, they kind of, uh, well, I'm assuming it's leading into the 70s because they transition into color 70s, 80s, what have you. And then I thought, like, just it all just seems, it seems very finessed, which is what I really like, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like they're missing anything or they're belaboring things. It all feels very natural so far. Uh, which, you know, it, it just feels like they've taken a really smart hand to this and didn't, uh, they didn't uh, whitewash it. They didn't like mainstream it, essentially. Like it feels, it's still like, obviously it should be pretty recognizable and, and comprehensible by people, but it does feel like a risk for uh, the MCU, which like, you know, the music can be a little generic sometimes besides the Avengers theme, the, the sort of execution of the movies follow a lot of the same three arc paths. So, I'm very excited to see that they were willing to take a risk on this. And I, I feel like it's gonna pay off in the end. And I hope it just leads to 
more. And I, I think, you know, if it wasn't going to be a real horror version of Multiverse of Madness, I'm just glad that we're at least getting this sort of like weird indie. It reminds me of like, don't hug me, I'm scared. That like, website, <laughs> uh, which is, which is, I think what I want. I think like anybody else, like the only thing that I'm like, I want more of that because I, but I was like, that would be too weird for most people. <laughs> so it's just a lot of cool stuff. Adam, did you think about um, Danger 5 at any point when you're watching this where like one season is insane yeah. 60s like television show and then 80s, it, the next season is like 80s strange ass movies. It, it And they had like the fake ads in the middle of things. Yeah, and exactly. And, it was so funny you mentioned that because when the Strucker watch and the toaster showed up, mm-hmm. I was literally like, I was like, oh, I was like, is that the guy from the end of Danger 5? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh right, that's that's why I even found it so funny because having gained that knowledge of that, I'm like, that's right, that's how shitty those and weird commercials were back then. Yeah, yeah I was watching. Um, I, I decided to look at today. I started looking at commercials that of characters within TV shows doing commercials. So I was watching Jed Clampett and Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies talk about like Winston cigarettes, and it was like real commercials where they're like, "No, you should smoke this way. How do you like it this way?" And you're like, "Jesus Christ, this is forever." And, and I, so I was a little confused. I want, kind of wanted, nah, it wouldn't have worked, but it would have been interesting for the vision and, and Wanda to start doing the actual commercial and realizing that what they're doing is strange as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Kaylin? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I actually, when you said that, I was just thinking of the famous I Love Lucy episode where she drinks the Vita Vita Vegemitavin, whatever. Vitamin to vitamin? Vitamin to vitamin. Vitamin to vegemin, thank you, which is 25% alcohol, which is like 25% alcohol. And then like, she just does the very obvious physical comedy of her getting drunk. That was clearly like, that's what influenced Vision in the second episode where he's got like, he gets gummed up and like he plays the the drunkard really well. So there's a couple of other like Easter eggs that I noticed specifically in the second episode, which uh, leads me to believe where, or like start speculating where this might be going. So the first one is there's like, three blatant references to the devil uh which in the marvel universe is mephisto mephisto is a you know played a huge role in uh in a couple of the vision and scarlet witch miniseries um uh as well as um in the comics when when wanda ends up you know having kids um so you have um um uh first reference being the big red uh gum uh, they re- mm-hmm. actually call it Big Red when uh, Vision takes the gum at the neighborhood watch meeting and it, it gums up his works quite literally. The second is uh, Senor Scratchy, the bunny uh, that Catherine uh, 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 Hahn, um, Agnes, I guess is her name in the mm-hmm. show, brings over. Uh, and that refers to uh, like Old Scratch, which is a nickname for, this, for the devil. And then when they're at uh, the, like, that meeting with all the, the housewives, in the neighborhood to plan the uh, the um, uh, what do you call it the like talent show for the children uh, where they go the devil's in the details and then you know Agnes goes well that's not that's not the only place that he's in so clearly a lot of references to Mephisto and then uh, or potentially Mephisto as well as when they keep saying for the children over and over again it's so fucking creepy and Lynchian the yeah. other reference is at the very end of the second episode where they um you know they keep hearing noises in the neighborhood and they go outside and there's a guy in a beekeeper suit comes comes out uh and you see his face shrouded and wanda's like no 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 and then she like rewinds the tape and they kind of go back to you know where they were in the house almost like as if that didn't happen clearly 
uh, a reference to AIM, uh, Advanced Idea uh, Mechanics, which is the one of the bad guy organizations originally led by MODOK. So that's going to be brought in. But I also mm-hmm. noticed that the AIM guy had, I think he had the sword symbol on the back of his uh, uh, back of his like beekeeper outfit, or or did I miss see that? I didn't. I didn't look at that, but I was. It's there's definitely. I mean, I thought from the beginning that he was involved just because of the hexacomb shape. You know, the not the honeycomb. Not what? What? Yeah, the honeycomb shape. <laughs> um, what did I call it? Hexacomb. Hexagon. Hexacomb. You know what? The hexacomb, it works. It's the same thing. Honeycomb, hexagon, just the same is totally aim. And like, it's like a modified version of what Modoc's little, you know, laser, psychic laser medallion thing is on his forehead. Uh, I I didn't really talk about my my stuff. I, we, we talked about a little bit, but I definitely had a problem with the first episode in that I didn't think it was strong enough in 50s, yeah television like it it struggled because it has to be 50 because we're going 50 60 70s and presumably up in the continent like in terms of generation turn a decade excuse me and i didn't get anything besides dick van dyke i didn't really get the i love lucy as much just because it i don't think there wasn't a thing that would work well enough with what they're trying to show in this show a a television show excuse me kaylin i was talking about we were talking yeah. about Honeymooners and I Love Lucy and uh, I Love Lucy is, I, I've rewatched it a lot recently because MeTV like six months ago started it from scratch and it, it's aggressively antagonistic to the point where it wouldn't work for who Vision and Wanda is. They're, they're constantly trying to eat each other alive. It's awful. What, uh, it's, it's enjoyable sometimes, but it's really hard. But did you not see that conveyor belt in the kitchen that she had to keep eating eggs off of while she was also? Yeah, the other reason uh, I um, thought of I Love Lucy, besides what I said earlier about them moving to the burbs, there was an episode of I Love Lucy where um, Ricky is trying to become the manager of a club or like manage a club's band and the the owner of the club is coming over to the house and like Lucy has to prepare a meal and has to go right and Ricky tells her like you gotta do this you gotta do this and so like Lucy and Ethel they come up with a scheme of like how they're going to make everything like be ludicrously like like efficient where they're just gonna like throw food at people's faces and it's like oh and that's the appetizer now it's the soup course they're just like later so in that regard, um, I did think of the um, of uh, uh, of it sort of uh, evoking "I Love Lucy" of like the boss coming over, the boss saying, "If dinner doesn't go well, you're not getting that promotion." The last guy who like fucked up dinner is getting is getting laid off. Um, but uh, you know, also the the whole idea of like the uh, misunderstanding, which I think is an early trope of sitcoms, of like uh, Wanda thinking the date is their anniversary the um uh you know vision thinking the date is oh this is when you know my boss was coming to dinner and then like she shows up in that very like you know frilly negligee uh and they, they pretend that it's a sokovian dress or, or, or whatever um so like there's definitely parts of that but clark does have a good point it's like there aren't enough iconic 
50s sitcoms that they could have evoked uh, without without completely undermining the, the concept of the series. Honeymooners is is yes, Jackie Gleason is a comic genius, but there's too much, too many illusions <laughs> of like of spousal abuse. Her? You cannot you cannot do that. Um, to the moon. I love Lucy. I love Lucy is all about like Lucy wanting to get into show business and Ricky not letting her. And it was like it's just it's ridiculous. It's kind of ironic because Ricky had or like uh, Desi Arnaz had a, uh, a career in show business because uh, Lucille Ball was able to help him. So um, so he couldn't really make that work. Mean. In, 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 he's just mean. Well, yeah, for sure. I hate he's mean in real life too, basically. But um, yeah, oh, I mean, that's really? that I did. <laughs> I, 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 as I, yeah, as you said, I just didn't like the fact there wasn't enough connective tissue to real shows in the first episode. Yeah. Which is what underwhelmed me. Um, Obviously, the, 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 yeah, Dick Van Dyke was involved with this whole series, you know, to get us, get the right feel of iconic television shows. But I think that's part of the reason they just chose the 50s episode to have a random show that started in 1961 because they didn't know yeah. what the hell else to do. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, definitely Catherine Hahn, uh, obviously she's going to be a presence throughout the, the series, but yeah. playing the kind of like the meddling, nosy uh, sidekick neighbor. Uh -huh. Again, that's very Ethel to Wanda's Lucy. So again, that's, I think, another way that they're trying to connect it. Uh, yeah, but. yeah, I don't know. I wanted some real in your face version since the 60s yeah. was so much like that. And I'm not saying anything about the 70s. But anyways, I would just want to say that Tiana Paris, who plays uh, Monica Rambo, is awesome already yeah, not saying yeah. about episode three but she continues to be amazing so yeah. i'm very excited about her her role in this series i i didn't realize but i believe she was in mad men when uh she played don who was uh don don draper's uh um uh first black secretary or maybe only black secretary um yeah they, they kind like, of to integrate they kind of tricked them into integrating with with her i it was a really good episode i liked her a lot yeah, she's great. So any other uh, thoughts on where this show might be going? Uh, to the top. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we're going to get a Mephisto thing because Marvel's not going to be like, let's make Satan. <laughs> Everyone's going to love to watch Satan in all of Mar in Marvel movies and television shows, Kalen. So I actually think they might, or like either some form of Mephisto and Satanus, uh, because this is supposed to lead into the multiverse of madness, right. the next Doctor Strange movie. And I honestly think that they're trying to maybe set up Wanda as, if not the, at least one of the phase four big bads uh, of her, like completely losing her grip with reality, uh, which is something we saw in, you know, in comics, um, clearly in uh, Bendis' Avengers Disassembled, as well as House of M. Yeah. It's clear that House of, House of M is definitely... Um, one of the inspirations for the show as well, in, in addition to the Vision series and the uh, the Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries from the 80s that I referred to earlier. I really do like that too, because I feel like unless you're going to bring Vision back, which I also feel like there's going to be so many new players and he's also too powerful in some regards, at least from the MCU version, that like take her on that journey, right? Like, I don't, I get nervous that they've done set because having rewatched uh, Endgame, the lead in, they're actually very good, like snippets, seven minute snippets 
of Vision, of Wanda, their journeys in the MCU so far. It just like, they already had a really great story and I don't know how much after this dedicated series, will they really be able to evolve the characters while also having the energy to also spend on all these new people they're gonna be introducing. So I like, and we also know that Marvel has continually had a villain problem. So being able to build up and turn one of your people gradually into a, either of their own accord or not, maybe it's a dark Wanda kind type thing, um, I think just will pay off and it does really fit the mold of the comic and it, it just makes sense to, to do something. Cause I mean, she literally took on Thanos head on. So it's like, unless they find ways to limit her powers again, like it's gonna be very difficult to have her just showing up and playing nice essentially to keep the movie going, you know, kind of thing. So I, I think it's a cool thread that you're pulling on. Uh, Kayla, I'd love to see it. Awesome. Well, uh, next week we'll be talking about the uh, third episode, which, as Clark mentioned, is absolutely wonderful. So uh, be sure to watch that third episode before you uh, listen to our next episode. So moving on, uh, we've got uh, four comics that came out this week. First in Reign of X. Uh, we had Cable number seven. Uh, the writer was Jerry Dugan. The art, uh, artist is Phil Noto, which are the, they're the regular team. And as well as X-Force number 16, the regular team of Benjamin Percy as writer and Joshua Cassara as artist. Um, let's talk about Cable first. Uh, it was clear to me that this issue was supposed to come out two to three weeks ago uh, because it was originally scheduled to be uh, like like the week or two weeks after um, Ten of Swords ended yeah. uh, because it sort of follows up on um, the sort of the kind of a, a funeral or a service they have uh, for Gorgon with having both Grasscutter and Godkiller like as like uh, two as an X basically the two swords there. Eventually, he's going to get resurrected, of course, because he died uh, over an other world. Uh, he will not come back the same. Um, and then you see the continuation of the sort of the uh, that cult, the order of the X uh, of like stealing all those mutant babies um, and Cable um, trying to uh, investigate that. So they're like, it's like, oh, remember this plot line? We're going back to it. Like, oh, yeah. right. <laughs> and then uh, Cable discovers... Uh, uh, that Strife, who is his clone from the far future, uh, is uh, behind all of it. He wants to sort of keep that to himself. Um, he isn't even telling Scott and Jean, although he is. He did ask Sage for some uh, information on Strife, and she sends a little memo to Beast saying, I don't know if we should be giving him this information. You know, we've got like everything about Apocalypse is really kind of under like, uh, you know, under uh, uh, lock and key right now. But at the very end, uh, he decides to um, get the services of Domino, who, when he was older, was his one of his closest friends and also uh, like oftentimes lover uh, to help him on that mission. The reason I said um, that this is supposed to come out a couple weeks ago, because last week in Sword, uh, you saw that he got uh, nullified and that, that they're going to continue on to that. So like this is one of those rare occurrences where the continuity isn't quite matching up. Uh, I will forgive it because they've done such a good job thus far. So it's just, I'm just thinking of this as happening before Sword even came out. Uh, and this is just going, you know, uh, right after Ten of Swords. Clark? I enjoyed the um, the appearance of Domino. I, it, it needed to happen. And I just am excited for how strange their interactions are. <laughs> the like, I slept with you when you're an adult kind of thing is going to be odd. Well, and she's. Yeah. She's quirky enough to call that out too. Like I oh, like yeah. her as a character and I think it's, she could now, instead of, I guess, more vice versa or at least peers previously, she can definitely act as more of a mentor to him, but keeping that fun flight. Cause I, I you know, we enjoy, I enjoyed reading her 
series and I, I love her in X-Force and love her whenever she shows up, even in the, uh, some of the limited, what the limited X-Force stuff before Dawn of X, it was also fun interactions. Like there's just a lot of already ongoing history and chemistry with these, this new version of Cable that I'd love to see them continue to, to poke at. So I, I enjoyed that. It was definitely more of a holdover issue kind of setting things up. I think I've got, I think my bigger problem is I don't, and I mean, I think everyone's kind of said this usually as we talk about comics in general, I don't like Rachel Gray that much. No matter who's writing her or where she shows up, I just find her to be so bland. Like I love the relationship between Scott, Jean, and Cable. And then for some reason, she just seems like the older sister that I don't give a shit about. Like she just, she plays like a very side character to me in every series that she's in. I don't, I don't know if she's showing up better else, but I feel like that's an ongoing occurrence with her that they don't really know what to do. Uh, Rachel Gray is so bland that I forgot to mention her. I forgot that she was in the yeah. issue. <laughs> I mean, she's she's an alternate universe sister. Yeah, I yeah I yeah I think once they kind of dealt with the angst of her being the child that wasn't going to be born in the regular timeline, it's like don't really know what to do with you, um, and that's why there's never been I think a consistent interpretation of her beyond what Claremont did in Uncanny X-Men and then Excalibur. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Once Jean came back from the dead, she seemed superfluous. Completely. Absolutely. She did. They're still kind of just shuffling her around. I don't know. And, you know, she's supposed to have these connections with the kitty and everything, which is overshadowed by Ileana being back. Right. Just hey, feel like everything she had is done better by somebody else or has she's just she's she was just a placeholder for better relationships okay but who fucked nightcrawler better than uh phoenix or whatever the fuck her name okay. <laughs> prestige <laughs> you can't even remember her name Ray, exactly i was <laughs> like <laughs> i will say I, I have enjoyed this issue aside i have enjoyed the sort of weird sibling uh like not rivalry, but like relationship she has with Cable. Like I enjoy that family dynamic of yeah. like Scott and Jean and like, you know, these sort of like two weirdo kids, uh, Cable being the son of Madeline Pryor, who was a clone of Jean Grey, Rachel being Jean Grey's daughter, but of a timeline that never happened or likely won't happen. Uh, so- I we've officially I, I, had it that Cyclops is also her father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, she might be mad at M Mother Ascani, who helped raise Cyclops. I mean, uh, Cable in the future. But I, oh, to, God. Be, to be fair to Rachel, I'll also put this on Strife too. As a kid in the '90s, I loved Strife because he was so extreme. And now that he's like turning up again, I'm like, what is his deal? Like, who, I just like I've lost the narrative because he was he was in the miniseries or like the limited series yeah. before or those yeah. runs. And even then, I was just like, what? Like it is, well, is light. Originally, they were going to make Strife be the actual child of Scott and Madeline Pryor that they sent off into the future, and Cable was the clone. Uh, and this is even before they did the whole like clone switcheroo with like Peter Parker and Ben Ben yeah. Riley. Uh, and then they retconned it so that Cable was the actual son. So, which is like yeah, which they should have done it. Which they should have done that in the first place. Strife is Strife is a very limited character. Right. Hopefully they, say, they do a good job with this because this could go bad very quickly. Um, I've enjoyed Explain Jerry Dugan's properly work. properly and nicely and simply. Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed Jerry Dugan's work on Cable thus far as well as Marauders. So I have some faith uh, that it's going to go well. I'll say one last thing. I really did enjoy the scene on the moon 
where Scott tells Cable, like, I really wanted you to stick around because I wanted, you know, to tell you about the thing that Gene and I are building together. Like, and it's clearly a reference to the X-Men team. Right. Clark? I did like, um, oh God, I just lost it in my head. Um, I do like something. Oh, I do like the fact that we're, we're, we're getting so many clones lately. Just, you know, clone stories just to hammer home the fact that clones cannot be resurrected. So I'm, I'm assuming that we won't be keeping Strife around for long. Right. If that's the case. The other thing that brought, um, that I thought about because of this issue and because of what someone else, one of you mentioned because of X-Force, are there, are there any protocols or do you think there are any protocols involved dealing with alternate universe people? That's a great question. Uh, and that came up on X Twitter um, over the last couple of days after these issues came out because um, you've got alternate u- universes because you've got like Bishop, you've got um, uh, clearly Rachel. like Rachel uh, and to a certain degree, even Cable. Um, and then, you know, are they from, uh, not, not to complicate it too more, but are they from the futures of Moira's previous lives. <laughs> because if you look at like, um, I, I, I wanna say the fourth life of Moira, like it basically ends in Days of Future Past, which is the timeline that Rachel comes from. Right. So like, you know, does Moira have an opinion on, on, on these folks? Because she doesn't want precogs to be able to be resurrected like Destiny. And so, uh, you know, if Rachel dies, does she stay dead? And of course her being on X Factor, which is, the investigatory <laughs> arm of yeah. like making sure that people uh, who did die, they died the way they, sh- they should be. And then like helping the five resurrect them. I, it, there's a lot of interesting questions, but a lot of ways that my head is going to start hurting if I think about it for too yeah. long. Just to switch it over to X-Force, the re- other reason I brought it up is because one of you guys questioned whether Beast was in fact Dark Beast because of how shitty he is being. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, Kalen, X-Force, what's going on? Yeah. Well, that's a great, great segue because uh, in the previous <laughs> issue we had a bunch of uh, we had a bunch of like uh, zombified corpses like showing up on the beaches of Krakoa, and uh, there's a question of like where they're coming from and if they're, if it's actually coming from Krakoa itself, like is there rot happening? And so you've got Cecilia Ray's trying to investigate it, and then Beast has this like like weird conversation with her about how he can potentially weaponize this as like a bioweapon against Krakoa's enemies. And she calls him out as she should. And that's what like made me, as Clark mentioned, as I you know, was talking to you guys off podcast, it's like, what the hell happened to Dark Beast? And I was reminded, I think by you, Adam, that he was killed off by Ilyana in Rosenberg's run about, you know, about two years ago. Um, I'm just wondering, like, are they just writing Beast as like, trying to move in more into villain role or did dark beast somehow take over beast at some point and is just masquerading as him because the shit that he's talking about and this issue specifically yeah. very much feels like, like what stuff that the dark beast did in both age of apocalypse, as well as the six one six when he crossed over. They're definitely over. And again, if they're, if it's not dark beast, they're definitely over characterizing a beast heel turn essentially. Cause I'm like, I get it. You, you know, Tony, every scientist, especially in the Marvel universe, always has to like be like, well, what if you did this? Because apparently science is always negative and it always <laughs> has to be weaponized, which I find always hilarious in these comics. But it that was definitely, you know, this and the Colossus thing were definitely like those elements of like, this is very weird for even a scientist to think about, especially while all these things are happening, right? You don't immediately take a dead body and be like, can this be weaponized? Um, and, and, <laughs> The overall issue I thought was pretty exciting. It was fun to see Forge and it definitely, again, kind of felt like more of a 
not episode of the week, but sort of like, it's the calm before the storm kind of thing after 10 of swords now leading up to probably something bigger. I thought it was fun to see uh, Namor. I thought that was like a cool turn. And it's just in general, I think it's always fun when they do like underwater adventures. It's just that stuff that doesn't really happen that often. It probably happened more in the earlier like fifties and sixties because everybody loved under the sea type shit. Um, and <laughs> I really, you know, that's a big, you don't know. That's what was, though. that scene in WandaVision where they were underwater. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really, I do like, X-Force continues to make me happy. I really like Quentin Choir. I love his mm-hmm. Um, I also keep forgetting, I literally had to do a double take because I couldn't remember which issue that a cuckoo showed up in because I thought I thought it was the one that Cable was dating, but then I forgot, I remembered it was the Quentin Choir one. It's just like lots of young dating with the cuckoos going on with characters that have lots of power. Um, Cable's dating four out of five of them, but he, I think he thinks he's dating five of them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, so basically, it's, this is an extramarital, not extramarital, but this is an affair we're seeing. Right. And I, I do love how they, with you know, it's fun to see Forge and Wolverine. It's kind of like these, this like young uh, asshole with these like two more veterans that are talking shit to each other. So it just had a lot of good, good goodness to it. It wasn't anything explosively amazing, but I, I enjoyed reading it. What I will say the one. Sorry. Oh, what happened? <laughs> it's, the only discovery was that Krakoa has cancer, essentially. Like, that was the- Like, underwater monster cancer? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's a, uh, there's a potential there to show that Krakoa might not be as benevol- benevolent as everybody's yeah. been making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, makes sense, because when Krakoa was first introduced, was the enemy. It was- the the main bad guy when the all new all different X Men were were introduced so I like that reference I like uh, Namor's like basically his like illusion saying are you guys using Krakoa or is Krakoa using you uh, the one thing I didn't like about the issue I will say and it's a very small thing it's a very minor complaint but when like Wolverine sees that whatever Leviathan you know Kraken thing at you know at the bottom of the sea and he right. goes. I saw a god. I was like, Wolverine has seen literally everything. Correct. Like, yes, I agree like, with that. Like, I'm like, bitch, you do not need to be surprised or like shocked. Like, you have <laughs> lived 150 years. Like, you have gone to alternate dimensions. You've gone to the future. You've gone to the past. Like, you've seen it all. Like, this should not be, this should be wrote to you. You're like, oh, great. Another fucking giant sea monster god. Cool. Yeah, but he can't sleep now. He can't sleep. Well, that's, I wish they would have played it up as, because I appreciated it within the capsule of this issue of it that like sort of Eldritch Har, HP Lovecraft, Elder God introduction type thing, which I'm like, great, stick to that. Make him get so mentally fucked up that he can't sleep. Don't just presume it's like some giant eyeball opened at the bottom of the sea. So that shook him for life, because you're exactly right. Did you think the panels were too small? I, I think part of what got con- so confusing was that it just, it felt very, I don't know. The images felt very small in terms of, I don't know, you're mm-hmm. under the under the sea and everything just felt so tiny to me. That, I think that was the point where, did you feel claustrophobic? No, I just got confused. Like, it's like, what the fuck is, <laughs> like the eye, I don't know. I'd like to see the eye on like a full page or right, something yeah, to show how extreme and fucked up this might be instead of just like, oh good, there's an eyeball, great. Okay, uh-huh. it's bad. 
Yeah, it didn't use splash pages that much, except for towards the very end when you saw Namor kind of dealing with um, yeah. that Leviathan creature. But I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was a good, it was a perfectly fine issue. Um, you know, um, it's not my favorite of the Reign of Xbox, but it's also not my least favorite. So it's perfectly middle of the pack, which means that it's doing pretty good. So let's yeah. move on to uh, Kink in Black. We had two issues, uh, Kink in Black number three. Uh, as well as Black Cat number two, which is an ancillary book. So in the third issue of King and Black, uh, it's clearly like a bridging issue. There's a lot of action happening. Uh, uh, Eddie Brock is still dead. Dylan is mourning him, but clearly, you know, he's a, the, he's a kid that has a huge destiny in front of him because Null clearly wants him and he's got a lot of power. Uh, Thor finally makes his uh, debut in this uh, miniseries and Tries to beat the shit out of Null and, of course, gets his ass kicked. Uh, but I, I, I do enjoy seeing Donnie, Donnie Cates write Thor. Um, and you see uh, Tony Stark taking over the, uh, the virus armor from the uh, storyline uh, that was preceding uh, King in Black. So that, that, was, that was really cool. And then at the very end, uh, they, brought, they bring in Silver Surfer Black. So bringing in all the various threads of uh, uh, the Donnie Cates corner of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. What do I mean, you guys I, think? I think this has been my favorite issue of the of the miniseries so far. I thought it was strong. Yeah, not my favorite I thing agree. everybody's done, but I, I think it's well done. The story, the you know, the beats are well created. It's the action is strong enough that you actually like you know you're moved in a way by it. like yeah do that kill it you know that kind of shit. Um, I love Dylan. Yeah. I like what they're doing with Tony and Thor was great, even though you knew it wasn't going to go so well for him. Right. Yeah. I two would- more issues. Oh yeah, this definitely uh, fucked with my timeline though, because I was thinking about the current Thor storyline. I'm like, wait, a, wait, what? Isn't he still trapped in whatever the his like the universe that came out no. of? Like, yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt very. I, I wish they could have just at least put it, just like your other thing, like the cable issue. Put a little box that says these events take place between this and this. Like it's again. I know they're never going to do that. But it was just so aggravating to me to be like, wait a minute, huh? Like, what's going on? But yeah. the overall issue was exciting. And I do think all the threads are coming together. It's this, this crossover is doing as well as it can in the, sta- the, the shitty Marvel version of crossover. And this kind of cuts into Black Cat as well. Yeah, I they're, think it's much. Oh, I was gonna say they're just different. You Like they're, I just wish they would have a 20 chap or 10 chapter series of books yeah. that all because it's just tough to really get engaged on the stakes essentially even though they spent so much time building this all up something just feels off because it's such a rushed third act essentially i think it's much better than the carnage miniseries oh totally i agree i agree with that just sort of happened and you're like i don't i'm not sure if i care that much about weird skeleton carnage running around i will say my only problem with this is that the stakes are so cataclysmic of like no (laughs) everything that I, my brain is not wrapped around. Like, cause I actually what I miss and what I used to love about the old crossovers is when they, they usually only do it in like uh, new universe, like kind of age of apocalypse, age of X-Man. They like, when they show you a map of either the world or like a, a galaxy and what's happening, mm-hmm. and it would have been useful at least just to see where everybody was on a map in terms of the dragon, like this, these dragons are attacking everything. And this was true for empire as well. Like it just, it's tough to see the scale when you're constantly shoving 
a hundred heroes fighting one mega villain in one city. And I know that's like the tip, that's par for the course, but it just, I'm like, always like, oh, I just wish they would give me more global stakes kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I feel like that would show up in a um, Guardians of the Galaxy um, yeah. issue. Yeah. Tie-in issue. Well, yeah, so we all the- give me a cool, like, end of issue visual. Like, just like they yeah. do all the write-ups for X-Men, like all those great... Yeah, things. Hickman, come on. Give me some info. Just- Maybe because there's going to be a king in the black, king in the black, yeah, that too, king in black Marauders issue. Maybe he'll just say, "All right, I'll do it." You guys yeah. aren't going to do it. <laughs> Shit, I'll just put this in. Here's a and, match. And uh, if if you saw the preview for the next issue, it's all the it's all the X Men characters on the Ooh. cover for uh, King in Black number four. Uh, so uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Black Cat number two since you referenced it, Adam. Um, again, uh, I think this was not the most essential of uh, issues, but it's a very enjoyable miniseries thus far yeah. because um, the writer Jed McKay and the artist is CF Villa. Um, Jed McKay clearly uh, is writing a love letter to all the things that he really just adores about the Marvel universe. So you've got like the anti-venom armor, uh, you've got um, the, uh, the spider mobile, you've got green the green goblin glider that like Felicia uh, is using. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, I unlike Clark, I like heist stories. Um, so like uh, Felicia, like uh, trying to basically uh, uh, steal Doctor Strange away from Null is just something that like kind of like hits all the right buttons for me. Uh, but it's also not the kind of shitty heist stories where like, it's like, oh, um, you know, uh, what you thought like went wrong. Uh, it was already all planned out. Yeah. Like the Ocean's Eleven model, which is just like so infuriating. Um, but I, I like, I love this series. So I guess I like heist stories. If it literally, the heist is just almost secondary to the characterization. Right. Sure. Uh, I was going to say, uh, the only thing that would have killed this series for me is if in the first issue, there was some sort of like during the cataclysmic stuff of like the initial attack from no, it would have zoomed in on her and said, you're probably wondering how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I agree with you that like, cause it's, it's a heist, but it's a, it's a regular heist where they're not flipping one over on something. Like that's actually what the problem of heist movies breaking down was is there's always the twist, right? Like, and I think uh, Rick and Morty taught us well from <laughs> its most recent season, but it's like, that's, that's the shit that's parody, but like actually trying to steal something and doing it correctly and just like with pure skill is is fantastic and it is i agree that i thought i'm learning to really like black cat the character i think it's like a good in like i mean i obviously know about her from many many different things including the spider-man animated series from the 90s but it's like it's just a good reintroduction because i haven't read read anything with her in it in years and so i i really enjoy it and i you know i'd like to see more of the world it, it does actually uh, i just already brought it up on this podcast like it does remind me a little bit of the domino series of just like it's just fun mercenary type and thief type stuff and that's and that's okay like not everything has to be this heavy weighted angry kind of thing and i i think it adds really value to king and black since it's so like oh god the stakes are so high i yep. like i like seeing bats the ghost dog again oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a bizarre little creature and he's great i know i love him i love him so all right so we've been talking about uh donny cates a lot so this goes into our news flash uh donny cates is leaving venom with issue number 200 in april how do they jump from issue number 33 to 200 it's marvel that's why uh they decided to uh 
combine every single Venom series that's ever existed in the history of Venom and basically add it up to 200. It probably isn't even really adding up to 200, <laughs> but they're saying close enough. But it does mean that uh, um, uh, Kate's uh, three-year-plus storyline is coming to a close. Um, while uh, I've loved his run on Venom, a character that I've had very little uh, affection for before, I'm glad he is able to end it when he is going to end it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, w- it won't get stale. It won't, uh, you know, go on for too long. Uh, I'm excited to see what he's doing next. Obviously, he's still doing Thor uh, for Marvel. Uh, he's doing a bunch of um, image books, uh, including Crossover, which you, if you guys haven't read yet, is absolutely phenomenal. We'll be, we'll be reviewing it on podcasts at some point when it's all wrapped up, or at least the first arc is wrapped up. Uh, but I also kind of hope um, he takes on Avengers. Uh, I haven't really loved the Jason Aaron run on Avengers, but he clearly understands like how all the... Um, uh, he, he gets the characters' voices, and I think he can do like bombastic action as well as interpersonal relationships really well. Uh, I think he'd be great because he's not going to touch the X books. He's not going to do the space stuff again because he already had his run in Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Al Ewing has that cornered uh, uh, pretty well. So I know in, in reading his articles that he's doing something else for Marvel. He's jumping onto another series, but I don't, I don't think we know what it is yet. Uh, so, do you think it, I, I wonder if it's a, because Immortal Hulk at some point is going to end as well. So I wonder yeah, if he'll take on the next iter- iteration of the Hulk. Mm. That could like that fits with his sort of yeah. his sort of horror horror action superhero-y hybrid stuff. That's gonna be so hard to follow. Just like be. this run of Venom is gonna be so hard to follow. For sure. And I I have no desire to read Venom once he's done ever again. <laughs> okay, <don't laughs> care. But since I mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, we found out they're getting uh, a new mission and new additions to their team. Um, the new mission is they are going to be the peacekeeping force for the the new uh, model UN that's out in space, uh, which we've seen in the last couple of issues of um, of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, so they're almost being uh, they're like officially sanctioned by this uh, semi governmental body in space, uh, and I really kind of like that idea. I think it makes sense. So they're they're not just this sort of ragtag group that's existed for a number of years. Right. They have like some kind of official um uh official scope but also um this is me speaking but like i love the politics of comic books and of of superhero universes and so them dealing with the politics of these this new like fragile alliance uh across the universe i think is ripe for a lot of uh a lot of story time possibilities also the new additions to the team are going to be uh wiccan and hulkling which i'm really excited about so they're going to add uh, more queer characters, uh, which is great. Uh, I obviously love those two characters very much. Uh, but it seems like Marvel Boy and Hercules may not be in the book anymore, which makes me incredibly sad. So uh, based on the fact there are three covers, it seems like at least, well, one of them is just um, Groot and Rocket Raccoon. But I, it feels like there's going to be two separate teams. Yeah. We're going to shove the lesbians into one team and the gays into another team so they don't have to deal with each other. You got to split them up. The world will collapse otherwise. That's yeah. such a, that, that's such like a, in DC, there's a, a gay bar called Pitchers and then they have like a lesbian bar attached to it called A League of Her Own. And it just feels very much like that yeah. in Washington, DC. Yes. Yeah. But also in gay bars since the history of time, there's all like, there's been like, here's where the gay men hang out and here's where the lesbians hang out. 
and very rarely do they intermix. And like, I want integration. We don't need to separate folks. Well, the lesbians are going to be hanging out with um, our uh, six sixteen universe Quasar because he's joining the team as well. Okay, Eh. I I find him kind of boring. They need to give him characterization. And it's it's Ewing, so they'll give him some good characterization. They're not going to just—he's not just going to make some lame ass show up and do nothing exciting. Yeah, I'm mean, I, I definitely excited where they're taking this. I mean, I, one of my favorite of the more recent runs was the murder mystery one, and that dealt with obviously some of the politicking and the people involved. And so, I think the more that they can build on, to your point, like they're not just going on these mercenary missions because that you know there's a lot we already have in that content area. I think there's a good evolution for this team and these characters so i'm I'm looking forward to it do you you think it's weird that arguably the most important um person in all of the universe is going to be on this team right (laughs) (laughs) like why is hulkling going to be on this team fighting people when he's in charge of two like one huge empire that's you know was two empires i wonder if it's uh remember that we saw at the end of empire where you had Agent Brand come in with sword, and you know uh, he was saying, "My grandmother was right. All of this came down uh, around me." I'm wondering if that, like that, you know, uh, coda that we saw is going to come a lot sooner than we thought, and so there is no more Empire, or he gets usurped and ends up having uh, to join the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's not going to be that quick. That seems way too quick. Not. Here's a like three month build up to the next huge thing. I feel like if anything, maybe I, he seems like the type of person that's just going to be like, I need to be with my, where my people are. You know, like he doesn't want to be run a kingdom. He's going to try to get out just like Thor. He's going to become like the new Thor, like Prince Thor, you know, like how they always had him in that position of like, you got to take the throne. You got to take the power. He didn't want it. I feel like they'll use Hulkling in that respect a few more times, but hopefully before they decide to take him out of that position. <laughs> Or you see a scenario where like it's Wiccan going on these missions and Hulkling just being a little like pouty about it. Like, oh, oh yeah. you get to have all the fun. I've got to like, you know, sign these treaties, you know. Yeah, so, he's, um, I bet, I hope they do. They will hopefully play that up a little bit and that then he'll kind of like join the team later on. But he'll like keep helping them and then finally be like, I got to get a fresh breath of air or whatever. <laughs> Every once in a while. The other one that's on that team with Kazar and, and the lesbians is um, super, uh, yeah. Super oh, interesting. Oh, okay. I always yeah. like Clerk. He's fun. Clerk. I can never remember his name. I just, I go, <laughs> that's how I like think of him. Just uh, spit. So, yeah, just spit, basically. Never swallow. Um, so staying with Marvel for a second uh, is we have Heroes Reborn. Reborn? Uh, you may have seen uh, on the internet that they Marvel is trying to bring this back. Why? Who the fuck knows? Um, there's very little information we know thus far except for some images that show mashups of certain characters like Dr. Doom and Juggernaut, Scarlet Witch and Enchantress, a Peter Parker that is just like a photographer for the Daily Bugle, and one other that I can't recall. But um, I feel Mr. Fantastic been... and the thing just as Schmoe's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Like, And I feel like they've done the mashup stuff already with the whole like uh, Infinity War uh, or uh, many, yeah, the warps like they had, like where you had like uh, Captain America yeah. and Doctor Strange and a bunch of others uh, all warped. So like, I feel like that's been done. And also, Heroes Reborn was not great. It was uh, you know Marvel's attempt to increase their sales in the '90s by giving some of their books over to Rob Layfield and to Jim Lee, 
when they were both part of Image. The Jim Lee ones were certainly better, but they're still not great. The Rob Layfield ones were just like incomprehensible trash. And so trying to trying to uh, you know evoke this like era of Marvel just seems a little mm, I don't know. It's like having a 20, 25th anniversary for the most diarrhea you've ever had in your life. It's unnecessary and we should never think about it. Yikes. You but are, also I, accurate. Well, I was just going to raise my hand. I mean, I, I always want to be positive, but this looks, yeah, this is just 90s bullshit to a T. I feel like, I think at this point too, and I get, you know, comics and Marvel in many regards are also for children. So I'm still trying to put myself in that. Like if I was like not a nineties kid and I was a kid today, I guess this would be kind of cool, but I'm also just like, what? None of it's, none of it seems interesting. It all just seems off. And like, I think we're just, we're just getting to a point where this, this content and these ideas should be better. This just feels like if toy, if like really like the amount of toys they used to produce and training cards and all that stuff still existed. Great. It seems like a really good marketing opportunity. This seems absolutely worth Caleb. As kids in the 90s, we were fucking stupid. Kids are a lot smarter these days. Yes. Like the amount of content that they are consuming is um is absolutely it's much more it's much more complex, it's much more nuanced. It's you know, like writers aren't writing down to them. Uh so Marvel wouldn't necessarily need to do that. The disappointing thing also is I think that over the last couple of years, uh Marvel's been on a really good streak. Clearly, the X books are mm -hmm. doing really well. All the space stuff is awesome. Venom, we, we surprisingly love and have loved for the last few years. Even stuff that isn't necessarily our cup of tea is still competent, like Dan Slott's Fantastic Four, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Captain America, um, you know, the Iron Man series that have, have existed. Uh, even Jason Aaron's Avengers is like perfectly competent, it's perfectly fine, it's a lot better than the Bendis era. Um, you know, it just seems like disappointing that they have to go down this route in the same way that like, you know they've they've hinted at bringing the ultimate universe back it's like leave the shit alone let it let it let it stay dormant you had one really good thing come out of the ultimate universe it's miles morales and he's already part of the 616 you don't need to like keep you know mining this shit over and over again because you think you're running out of ideas you've hired talented creators telling forward-thinking stories you know all right so moving on um uh this is super exciting for me uh uh, if you haven't noticed, uh, Batman the Animated Series has made its way to HBO Max, which is still one of my favorite cartoon series ever. It holds up really, really well. Uh, and there are rumors, uh, hopefully confirmed soon, that HBO Max may be developing new episodes for the 30th anniversary, uh, which I can't believe it's been 30 years, uh, in 2022, which is next year. Uh, it is, uh, I'm super, super, super pumped if that happens. And I'm just really glad these episodes are on HBO Max. I'm in. I, yeah. can, we, can we get like multiple episodes with that little evil girl baby doll? Oh my god, yes. The random character that just made up for it. Birthday. Yeah. Give me give me no. multiple episodes of that. Just keep her really weird and young too. I don't want to see an god. old version of her. Terrible. There was some, no, absolutely there was some not. rough characters in there. So ridiculous. Yeah, yeah no, I'm in. I, I want I want more of it and I definitely gotta start rewatching the uh, Yeah, I need to I need to watch the whole thing again. I haven't watched it probably since the 90s. I really didn't watch the last season very much where they changed up a lot of stuff. Like you had Dick Grayson grow up to being Nightwing. Uh, you, you got a new Robin that was supposed to be kind of a mix of both Tim Drake and Jason Todd. 
Um, you know, Batgirl was much more featured in, in there uh, and the animation was slightly tweaked, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm very excited to see that. And also DC, they've been publishing like a, like a sequel series uh, of like a, of all the characters set in that universe. And so I wonder if they're gonna use that as a model, uh-huh. including having like Jason Todd being the Red Hood and like having a Red Hood being in there as an example. So very, very excited about that. And then in the dumbest news possible, Sony's still trying to make the Spider-Verse happen. Uh, this time, they may be uh, trying to develop a film around an obscure Spider-Man character named Dusk. Uh, and if you don't know who Dusk is, don't worry. Nope. None of us do either. <laughs> she was in what was uh, she was in some dumb team. There was four of them with Hornet and some other jackasses who yeah yeah, were, yeah. I don't was, know college yeah, students was, I think who tried to I don't know what was it the some sort of shitty squad. Anyways, she had dark force powers and she's totally unimportant and who cares about her? <laughs> that's that's about that. right. I just love her storyline from Slingers Number Zero that Cassie St. Commons is given the costume and name upon joining the titular Slingers, but quickly falls to her death. <laughs> Instead of staying dead, she gains ghostly powers. You're like, this This shit doesn't even sound like it's from the 90s. It sounds from like it's from the 50s. And I know the 50s. They were all about underwater and dead ghost powers. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it was not great. And she's barely ever seen i don't know why they're just struggling to like just random grab random people silk makes sense they should have done something real with black cat yeah. and um silver so saber disabled. those are real female characters that are important right. not some character that's been in 30 ep- issues at most of bad things well what it is is i bet it's some shitty because i'm reading that plot it's some like shitty network exec who's just like let's churn out a coming of age story for a girl because they have Miss Marvel, so we should have somebody too. Like that's all well, it is. I'll say this: that Marvel Unlimited subscription is paying for itself. Whichever executive, uh, development <laughs> executive, is reading it, because they are mining through all like the Spider-Man comics. And yes, the Slingers. Thank you for reminding me. I actually, I think I had some of those issues in the late '90s because the whole conceit was like one of these could be Spider-Man. Like Peter Parker assumed a new identity. Hornet was one of them. Um, I can't, and obviously Dust, and I can't even remember the other two. Like, it was ugh, just just, just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Anyway. All right. How so, much time uh, do you have? As much time as you want, Clark. Oh, God, no. Okay, quick. I'll do quick versions. So, two different segments quickly. Um, so, I, my niece is finally coming up to my room instead of just staying on the main floor. And I've got like, I didn't realize like a fucking bevy of toys in here. So she's like addicted to coming up and playing. And she always has to grab my Polaris and Sunspot Marvel Legends characters and have them kiss. <laughs> so suddenly she's decided that they're a couple, which my quick question, one of my quick questions was, do you think that would work? Would that be a real functional couple in the Marvel universe? Because <laughs> no, they both have anger issues, right? <laughs> I, like, I, I, I would like to see it, honestly. I it would be interesting. It. it would. The age wouldn't be too weird. I don't know. It seems very strange. I don't know if they've ever had a functional interaction ever. I don't know if my niece should be like a new writer or not. <laughs> that well, see, if you were a Marvel exec, you'd say, "Let's get that movie to production." <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> A Batman, uh, um, a Sony, a Sony one would, yeah, would have. Sorry, not Sony. whatever random assholes and just make them a movie. Sir, if you were I, playing the Marvel TV world before it got shut down, you would have said, what if we made a Polaris and Sunfire show? 
Hot and cold. Yeah. Hot and hot steel is what we'll call. <laughs> sunspot. Did I say sense. sunfire? Yeah, it's sunspot. You mean sunspot. Oh. Which I, I well then I then I do think that would really I was thinking sunfire, but I think sunspot would definitely work out. Because I feel like she, if you used her if you didn't use her current existence and X Factor, I think it would work out. So do you think I, Yeah, Kaylin. I was gonna say I think she'd be really good for Sunspot because she wouldn't put up with his bravado bullshit. Yes. She'd bring him down like several pegs. And like also like the whole idea of like Magneto not approving of their like coupling. Like I think there's a lot of like, you know, guess who's coming to dinner kind of a uh, you know, da uh, like daddy knows best kind of kind of like um, like like uh, dynamics that could really happen. So I would enjoy seeing that. All right, I'll tell my two and a half year old niece this, <laughs> she, 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 so she can get on the ball. Is there a, is there a coupling that you don't think they've ever really interacted that you think would work? Ooh, I was just like as soon as you mentioned that, I was thinking about that in the back of my head. Um, yeah, you know. Uh, Mystique and Callisto, and they've never canonically said that Callisto's a lesbian, but she's okay. always been a lesbian in my head. And like, I just think the two of them are just so batshit insane that I would love to see like how uh, toxic that relationship would be. Um, mine is Master Mold and Feng Feng Foom. I think they have would have a lot of chemistry if they were on a panel together. <laughs> on a what? panel together? <laughs> what? Yeah, like if they were ever in a comic. I oh, feel on like a page, a page panel, page. not like. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I was thinking of like a they were conference on, panel. If they were on a speaking panel at Comic-Con or FlameCon, I think they'd be really good. And then they'd the probably have sex in the hotel next door and ruin the entire universe. <laughs> oh my God. Because yeah, one of the things work. I was thinking about, I feel like this idea was how much I enjoyed um, when Domino and uh colossus got together like yeah where the fuck did this come from but it actually kind of worked kind of thing so uh, randomly the yeah, other I'm thing fine. i was thinking about is that one of us um one of us in a group since there's only three of us today we're like this week was thinking about like this will just be the three caballeros yeah. and in my mind i was like who would be whom and since it's the characters you guys don't really know i was going to switch yeah. it up to like of the three of us who's mickey goofy and donald i I'll, I'm definitely goofy. Adam's goofy, for sure. You're, I You're think Donald, I'm, and I think Kalen is Mickey. Now I think I'm Mickey. I All think right. I'm the Mickey. Yeah, I think that I'm works. Just, I, I'm yeah. The, the aggressiveness is there. I so I like got a few more. We are definitely hybrids, though, because I feel like you're pro Kalen. You're probably Mickey Donald. Clark, you're probably Donald Goofy, and I'm, I'm Donald Goofy for sure. Yeah, that is really funny. I feel like it's, we're all very hybrid esque of those three. I have a few quick ones that are X-Men ones. So of the three of us at Three Caballeros, who is whom of the Summers brothers? Who's Havoc, who's Polaris, and who's the asshole? You mean Wait, who's you mean Cyclops? Not Polaris, excuse me, Cyclops. <laughs> you know what? Cyclops. Polaris, you didn't know Polaris was um, both a male and dating her own brother? I, I'm, I'm definitely Cyclops. Yeah. Adam, you're Havoc. And Clark, you're the one who's going to take over an intergalactic. You are, yeah, you're Emperor. You're Vulcan. Vulcan, the crazy one. All right, three yeah. more. All right, I'm thinking of the uh, Apocalypse Magneto Xavier Ooh. Triumvirate. Uh, I think I'm Magneto. 
Really? I was going to say, I think you're Xavier. I could be Xavier. I could be I one that. of the I two. I could see that. Uh, I don't know. This is hard. I feel I'm not think, Xavier. No, I think you're Apocalypse. Yeah, but. I was going to say, I feel very mag. I feel probably most magne. Like, whoever is the most fired. Well, I guess actually on the flip side, whoever's most fired up about a passion. And I feel like, Kaylin, you can really get on your like you're like oh i got this is the this is the cause kind of thing and i do yeah, think can't you see it me my face on a t-shirt that says kaylin was right yeah well now i'm like maybe i am professor x because i feel like i definitely try to like be positive but also can be a bit of an asshole on the back end <laughs> also we treat we keep trying to kill you and you keep coming back to life so that's go. very professor x i've been shot in the face on an island by russians that explode into smaller russians yeah all right nightcrawler wolverine colossus the giant size males. I think Adam's Nightcrawler. Yeah, I think I, you're obviously Wolverine, Clark. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like how every single one of them is. Which one's the most damaged? It's okay, there you go. It's basically like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's basically happy, order, crazy. <laughs> it's like you just keep, <laughs> choosing the you keep choosing the three characters that will easily fall into. <laughs> I don't think I'm Colossus, though. I don't think I'm Colossus. I don't think I I fit into that. that You're not the the gentle giant of of an artsy. I'm probably more Colossus, but I I, I guess you're most... I think Adam has to be Colossus in this situation. I do like to be Katjen. But yeah, no, I think you would be Nightcrawler in that case, then. uh, Although, I don't know, you're probably the most responsible. So maybe... Wolverine is pretty responsible. I feel like Nightcrawler is usually played as more, depends on where you see him, actually. I'm watching X-Men Evolution, which I'm like, he's such a kooky nut. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Nightcrawler is very responsible. He's very responsible. Yeah. Okay, the final one. Storm, Jean, and Rogue. The animated series women that are not the idiot. Oof. Clark, you're obviously Jean. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, you, I know you want to be Storm, but you're not. No, I know. I have to be rogue in this case because I've always got a Southern saying for everything. <laughs> Kaylin, you're, you're Storm? I guess I'm Storm. I never right. would have imagined, but sure. I Yeah. All right. All right. So good. Let me minor. Um, a psychopath, psychopath, murderer, psychopath, <laughs> um, very angry duck. Good. <laughs> <laughs> We should right, do this okay. again with when Brent and uh, Ryan are on of like of of like five like teams of five. I think that'd be a lot of fun. All right, I'm into it. That was it. I like it. All right, well, Clark, that was a fun something. All right, so we've been Homo Superior. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Please interact with us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and, and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. We love you, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.